Hey, this is Pastor Greg Evans from Calvary Assembly of God. I want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I pray that God will speak to your heart, that he will challenge you, and that you will be encouraged and that you will overcome by God's word and the word of your testimony. God bless you. Enjoy the service. Do you love Jesus? Do you love his word? Amen. If you would, just get your Bibles out today and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and you can put your finger there and also look at Proverbs chapter 22 this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Proverbs 22 today. Thank you. We're going to be in the Word today. We've been talking about, we've been uh, through last week uh, on a series about revival, and we are believing for revival. We're believing for a sovereign move of God's Spirit, and uh, I know He's doing that. I, I really felt strongly in my spirit I, I am a, I am a Pentecostal, at least third, if not more generations, preacher, minister of the gospel. I love to preach the word. I love evangelical power packed messages. I like to get up and, and preach something that's going to make everybody jump up and down and, and, and praise the Lord. And this word should do that today. All, all of uh, God's word should do that. But this message is not my typical kind of message. What I believe God spoke to me very strongly in my spirit is if we're going to have revival, we need to deal with and bring encouragement to and strengthening in the areas of our life personally that facilitate revival. We cannot have corp. We sometimes look at corporate revival and we've dealt dealt with this over the past few weeks that we want corporate revival thinking that it's like pews filled and and altars full and certainly those are the fruit of revival but that is not where it starts it starts with me somebody say me it starts with you it starts with me it starts in our homes and our families today and I want to encourage families today I want to talk about families over the next few minutes with you today and just bring God's word to homes and families before we do that today I want to add my invitation to you if you are new at Calvary over the last few uh, weeks or months, if you have never joined us with for a party with the pastors, uh, we invite you to be a part of the lunch today, following the service in the student center, straight down this hall, the middle hallway here, jog to the right, jog to the left, jog to the right, and you'll find your way back to the, uh, back to the student center. We have pizza, we have salad, we have some, I think, cookies. And uh, mostly we just have a time set aside of fellowship and connection where we can get to know you better. All of our pastoral staff will be back there. The ones that are here, a couple are out sick today. Pray for uh, uh, Lindsay Foreman, uh, Pastor Trevor's wife, and she just needs a touch in her body today. So uh, every, all the others will be back there today. We just want to get to know you. We want to uh, share a little bit of our vision with you, and uh, it'll be a great time. And we invite everybody, even if this is your very first time to walk into this building, we want you to come and have a little party with us today. Amen. And uh, please, please join us and stay for as long as you can. If you can't stay long, we understand completely. Uh, Amen. Also want to take just a moment at the front side of this message to ask you, I I think I saw uh, Sister Glenda here today and Don Strausser, please pray for them. We give you our deepest condolences. They lost their son this past Sunday unexpectedly in his early 50s and uh, just uh, needs God's touch in their lives. We love you, uh, Glenda and Don, and we pray God's strength, blessings, and comfort in your lives today. 
And uh, just want to also say thank you for fasting and praying with us over this past month of September. I believe that it was a successful time of moving the hand of God. I Christians all around the globe have joined this past month in praying and fasting. I don't know about you, but I believe God is doing something. I believe God is stirring something. We've seen it even in our own services and, and what God has done in these altars. And he's not finished. This is just the beginning, but there's something taking place. And I'm excited. Continue to ask God for revival. Continue to believe with me for fruit that remains. I don't want just a momentary kind of spark of God's glory. I want the glory of God to fall fresh on his church, on his bride, amen, and to go forth from here to the nations of the world. And I believe he's doing that, so pray with me for fruit that remains. Today we're going to talk about family matters. How many know that family matters? Family matters. How many also know that all families have some problems sometimes? We all have family matters, don't we? (laughs) Challenges, struggles, issues. No one's exempt. Sometimes we walk into churches and and, uh, kind of spiritual or religious gatherings like this and we, we look at everybody else and we think, oh, I wish we had it together like they do. I wish we had, I wish we didn't have any problems because they don't seem like they have any problems. We look at pastors and leaders and we say, oh, we wish we could be like them. But I want you to know all families have issues, challenges, problems, and none of us are exempt from that. It's how you deal with them. And God speaks a lot about it in his word. God deals with this a lot in his word. And uh, we want to talk about it a little bit today. None of you have issues like this lady had. Her name was Lynn Baker. If you think you have problems, I want you to consider the marriage of mayhem created when 76-year-old Bill Baker of London recently wed Edna Harvey. She happened to be, and I want you to catch this, she happened to be his granddaughter's husband's mother. This is who he married. Bill married Edna, who was his granddaughter's husband's mother. That's where the confusion began. According to Baker's granddaughter, Lynn, she said this. She said, my mother-in-law is now my step-grandmother. My grandfather is now my my stepfather-in-law. My mom is my sister-in-law, and my brother is my nephew. But even crazier than that now, I'm married to my uncle, and my own children are my cousins. That's a problem. You don't have that kind of problem. What I want you to know today, whatever challenge you're facing in your family, whatever issues are arising in your home, it's not too big for God. (laughs) And at least you don't have that issue going on. Max Lucado wrote in his book, Eye of the Storm, about a story. And this is a little more intentional to the message today. He said that uh, there were two paddle boats that left Memphis about the same time traveling down the Mississippi River to New Orleans. As they traveled side by side, sailors from one vessel made a few remarks about the the snail's pace of the other vessel. Words were exchanged, challenges were made, and the race began. Competition became vicious as the two boats roared through the deep south. One boat began falling behind, not enough fuel. There had been plenty of coal for the trip, but not enough for a race. As the boat dropped back, an enterprising young sailor took some of the ship's cargo and tossed it into the ovens. 
When the sailors saw that the supplies burned as well as the coal, they fueled their boat with the material that they had been assigned to transport. And then they ended up winning the race, but they burned their cargo. Max Lucado wrote this in this book, Eye of the Storm. He says, God has entrusted cargo to us, our children, our spouses, our relationships, our friends. Our job is to do our part in seeing that this cargo reaches its destination without being burned. Yet when the programs take priority over people, people often suffer. How much cargo do we sacrifice in order to achieve the number one slot? How many people never reach the destination because of the aggressiveness of competition as captains of our own lives? Sometimes the hustle and bustle. Sometimes the keeping up with the Joneses. Sometimes the trying to compare and compete with one another keeps us from getting the cargo that God has entrusted to us to its final destination of heaven. We have a job to do, Calvary Assembly of God. We have a job as parents. We have a job as neighbors. We have a job as the body of Christ. We have a responsibility to each other and to those that God has entrusted to us to make sure they get to their final destination. We have a job. And it cannot become a competition. We can't compare one to another. And something else I want to address as I get started this morning. Maybe you're in this room and you're saying, I don't have children. I'm not married. I don't have a traditional family. This message, though, it will speak to kind of because of the way it's framed to what everyone would picture as a traditional family setting. This message can be applied to and incorporated in the life of every believer and must be applied to the life of every believer, whatever your family looks like. Maybe your family is not traditional. Maybe it's a blended family. Possibly you're divorced or maybe you've never been married. Possibly you're a single parent or you have no children, but you have spiritual children. The church is a family. Can I get a witness to that? We are a family. And so the same principles that I apply today and God's word speaks to us today will apply to everybody in here, whatever your family dynamics are. It's designed, this word from God is designed today to help us get this precious cargo of families and relationships to their intended destination. Not just, hear me, not just our immediate families, not even just the people in this room, but generationally, God has promised us our children, our grandchildren. And again, it doesn't matter if you have children or not. There are spiritual children. There's people's lives that you were designed and called to speak into. And so generationally, as long as the Lord tarries, I believe the Lord Jesus is coming back soon for his church. But as long as he tarries, if it's, if it's 10 years or, uh, or 100 years from now that he returns, we have generational promises from God that our children and their children shall be saved. Can somebody say amen? If you have your Bibles in Deuteronomy chapter 6, I want to read a few verses at the beginning, verses 1 through 9. It says, these are the commands, the decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all all of his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Verse 3, listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey then all will go well with you and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. 
Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. In other words, what he's writing here is that he is not Baal, he is not Ashtoreth, he is the Lord, the God, and there is no other. He's declaring that over himself. I am the Lord, I am the Lord alone. And you must, verse 5, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Verse 7, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In Proverbs 22, verse 6, many of you have heard this many times. It simply says this. Either your version might say train up. The New Living says direct your children or train up your children on the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. Train up your children. Again, I want to clarify. You do not have to have children, biological children, to receive this word today. You do not. You are impacting the life of somebody around you. You as a disciple, as a follower of Christ and a disciple maker need to train up the people that God, the spiritual children, those that God sends your way in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. Now, specifically, this is being applied to biological children and traditional family settings, but it is not limited to that at all. The missional family or the family living on mission is permeated by the teaching of the word of God. We must not stray from the teaching of this word. We must not get off into cultural preferences and ideals. And we must focus on what God says because God's word is timeless. And it is as applicable today to your family, whatever it looks like, as it was the day that it was penned. Can I get a witness in this room? God's word is real. It doesn't change with the culture. It doesn't change with every wind that blows. It doesn't change because now we have somehow gotten enlightened. (laughs) And my decision to do it my way will be better because I understand things that they didn't understand when this was written. No, God created you. He created all people of all time. And he knew right where you would be today. And when these words were penned and breathed into, into being, it was given with you in mind. Your family in mind. Your circumstance in mind. And we must be missional families. God's word will be the family's guiding light. It will be your counsel. It will be your statement of record. You know, there used to be, on many Christian homes, big family Bibles on coffee tables or end tables or on the shelf. Not recommending that, that it has to be that way, but it was a statement within it. It had names. It had the, it had your heritage. It had people's names listed and family records listed in it. And it was important. And though we don't have that tradition so much anymore, it is just as important to have a family statement of record for your family, for your home. And it must be the word of God. God's word needs to be engraved on the hearts of your children, your grandchildren, your spouse, your family. I want you to think about it. If you wanted to destroy a building, would you not aim your most destructive blow 
at the foundation? Would you, if you wanted to destroy something, wouldn't you aim right at the very base of what was holding it all together? The foundation? That's what Satan's doing. That's what Satan's plan is. That's his attack. That's his design. If I can destroy the family, if I can destroy husbands and wives, if I can destroy children, if I can separate relationships, if I can destroy the family of God, if I can break through, if I can cause division in churches, if I can bring about confusion and doubt and fear and destruction, then I can chip away at everybody else because they won't be effective any longer. God designed the family. He designed the biological family. He designed the church family. And by that design, the whole world will know Jesus. But we must stay strong. Faith or lack of faith runs in the family. I'm going to say that again. Faith or lack of faith runs in the family. In other words, your children are going to do what you do. Their children are going to do what they do. And I've said it this way many times. You've heard me say it. Whatever one generation excuses, the next generation abuses. Whatever I chalk up is not as that important. I'll do it when I feel like it. I'll go to church. I'll, I'll teach the word. I'll have family devotion. I'll have family prayer time. I'll do it when I'm in the mood. I'll do it when it's convenient. Then if we excuse that kind of lifestyle, then our kids will abuse it and they'll never have those things. We're only about two or three generations at any given moment of being totally separated from God's word and God's will as a Christian society, as a church even, if we do not do what God says to do in this text. Tie them on our hearts. Write them on our foreheads. Teach them to the generations. Faith or lack of it runs in the family. Generational blessings or generational curses. Pastors and church leaders have often forgotten that the family was created before the church. The family is the base, the foundation of the church. We need strong families if we're going to have a strong church. It's quiet in here this morning. By the way, it's never too late to start. Don't let the enemy whisper in your ear this morning and say, well, you know, my kids are grown, they're gone, I missed the mark. Don't let, them, don't let the enemy whisper in your ear this morning, there's nothing I can do. I never had kids anyways, or, or this is that, or this problem, or that challenge. Don't let the enemy say, this word is relevant to your life today. You need to figure out, let the Spirit of God speak to you, how you can apply it to your life and to the generations that are to come. God has a purpose and a plan for you, for your family, and for this family of God. I want you to consider with me what the Bible says here in our text in Deuteronomy chapter 6. In this passage, it's obvious that God places high value on family. Is that true? Would you agree with that? Could I get agreement that God places high value on families? I saw four hands, but I saw a bunch of heads nodding, so I'm going to take it as yes. I want you to imagine with me for just a moment what it would have been like to live in a home that hosted several generations of the same family. Remember, when this was written, families and homes didn't look like they look today. In fact, one of the commentaries I read said that it was, had been most likely that uh, close to 100%, not 100%, but close to 100% of those who would have heard this taught 
lived in a one-room tent or home. Every, and throughout generations, for generations to come after that, they would have lived in one room. Not just parents and children, but grandparents. Maybe extended family. All living together. Maybe it was a big tent. Maybe it was a little tent. But they all lived together. I want you to imagine this with me. Imagine for a moment that it would have been what it would have been like to live in this home with all these generations. This concept of passing on biblical faith to the third and the fourth generation. This concept of, of laying down. I don't know how, how you do things. Growing up, uh, our house was not very big and, and you could hear. We, I can remember laying down at night and sometimes, remember the Waltons? Remember? Good night, John boy. Good night, Mary Ellen, or whatever their names were. And they would all holler. And I can remember laying down at night in our home, and I guess my mom liked the Waltons or something. But we would, I can remember hearing from the other, good night, Greg. Good night, Lori. We also, before going to bed, or when we went to bed, our parents would come in and, and pray with us, before, each of us, before we would go to sleep. But then when we laid down, good night, good night, we'd all say good night back and forth. It's a little different now. I don't think my kids could even hear me if I hollered at them. But we do talk. We talk about the things of God. But Bev and I, we lay down and, you know, before we goes off to sleep, well, sometimes I go to sleep pretty quick. She has told me before when she woke me up or when I woke up the next morning, she'll say, did you know I was talking to you? I, yeah, I think I do, but I just was gone. But we talk, we communicate. Could you imagine a whole generation or multiple generations of family laying down at night and saying things like, isn't it good to know the Lord? Isn't it good that God saved us from our enemy? Isn't it really awesome how God has spoken and given us his law and his directives and his ways and talking about that among generations and encouraging them? In other words, writing it upon their heart. Can you picture that? You may say, well, yes, but that was then and this is now. Then we must figure out how we do it now. Hello? We have to figure out how this looks in our culture, in our society today. From birth, children and households. Learn the stories and doctrines of your family. Did you know you had stories and doctrine? Did you know you have a belief system? You either live it out and teach it to them or they experience it by viewing you and others and you get to decide that. Your children, your family, those around you, those within your influence. And I believe that families remain the foundation from which God wants to build his church. Is there anyone with me this morning? I believe families remain the foundation by which God wants to build his kingdom. I don't want you to check out on me. Everyone here either has a family, you're from a family, or you're going to have a family, whether that's traditional or otherwise. Everyone in the world, no matter what, whatever age you are, maybe you're retired, possibly every family member's out doing their own thing, or you haven't even started a family yet. This is a relevant word for you today. The problem is this. The family's deteriorating in America. In fact, the family is deteriorating in the world. And I go back to where I began. This is the plan of Satan. 
And unless we expose it, unless pastors stand in pulpits, unless brothers and sisters speak it into each other's lives, unless we declare it over our children and their children, unless we begin become bold enough to rise up and say it in love, yes, but say it nonetheless emphatically and courageously that Satan cannot have my home. Satan cannot have my church. Satan cannot have America. Satan cannot have the church around the world. We belong to Jesus and we're going to do it the way Jesus says to do it. The call to live according to God's word is a generational call. The phrase here, you and your children and your grandchildren, commands us to look beyond, beyond ourselves and to the future generations. And I would even add this, to parallel generations. What does that mean? How about nieces and nephews? Cousins. Stepchildren. Spiritual children. You and your children and your grandchildren. From your position within your immediate family, you have influence. What influence are you using? You have influence. You didn't even know it. You may not have even considered it. You possibly don't think that you're worthy of it. But you have influence. People are doing things because you do them. (laughs) Wow, that's a heavy load. People are acting certain ways because of the way you act. People are responding because of the way you respond. Now, none of us are perfect. I don't want to put that kind of burden on you. God doesn't want to put that kind of burden on you. Perfection is not the the key here, but obedience is. Follow through is. Consistency is. I'm going to spend a little bit of time here talking about raising children for just a few minutes. But I don't, again, don't want you to check out. I want you to check in. I want you to catch this. Proverbs 22 says, Train up or direct your children. I believe that this is the imperative of every home in every family, including the church. Train up your children. Teach the children. Impart wisdom into the children. Live a life exemplary before the children. Is anybody with me? Y'all are so quiet this morning. Here's the word for raise up or direct here. It's a Hebrew word. I'm not going to say it correctly. I'm not a scholar. I haven't studied it, but I, I looked it up and it, it's spelt one way. It's pronounced another. I'm going to try to say it the best I can. It's Hanak. It's spelt C-H-A-N-A-C. Actually, one version is a K-C-H, but it's Hanak. And this is what it means. It has three meanings uh, from, from its root. It firstly means this, to put something sweet in the mouth of babes. Wow. It also means this. I'm going to go back and touch on each of these. It means build an altar. And thirdly, it means to dedicate. Hanat. Direct. Train up. How do you do that? You put something sweet in the mouth. In other words, it is your responsibility and my responsibility to speak good things, truthful things, holy things, righteous things to our children. Speak it. Put sweet things in their mouth. We're not talking about lollipops here. We're talking about positive things. Things that encourage, things that lift up, things that bless. Declare life over your children. Speak life over one another. So often, help us, Jesus. So often, what our children hear 
and what they see are two different things. When we murmur and complain, that's not putting sweet things in their, in their mouth. When we gripe about this and that, our jobs, our, our situation in life, our, our church, whatever it may be, when all we can do is just is regurgitate negative things and say all the things, just because it's here doesn't mean it has to come out of here. And don't ever let it slip into here. We need to put sweet things in the mouth of our children. We need to say things that lift them up, that they can see that the church, listen, so many children, you can read the statistics. I didn't write them down today and put them in my notes, but the statistics are very high of children. Once they reach a certain age, they leave the church. And it's a very young age. It's early to mid teens. They start slipping away, going here, there, doing their own thing. Why? Because we did not put sweet things in their mouth. We didn't lift them up. We didn't speak life over them. We didn't speak the good things of God over them sometimes. Secondly, it's build an altar. Most of the words we read, most of the research and study, word studies we can do, you will find in the original uh, text that words didn't have just one kind of meaning like they do in our, in our language today. Or one specific, there's a, there's a vast array of things that it can encompass. Build an altar. Hanak. Train up. How do you do that? You build an altar. And I believe it's significant for the writer of Proverbs here to use this phrase. Because in the Jewish temple, that was the highest and holiest place. And that's where the altar was. And that's where the sacrifices were made. And I believe that's what we need to do with our children. We need to take them to an altar. We need to get them to a place where they can seek God. Because it's at that altar where where sacrifice is made, where the price is paid, where they receive the fullness of pardon of not only sin, but victory for their life. Peace and joy and hope comes through a place of prayer. Build an altar. Could it be that God is placing the family at the same level as his temple? Yes, I believe it is. In fact, I already said it. He created the family before he created the church. Where is your family altar? I'm challenging us today as believers. If we want revival, if we want a move of God, if we want to see him do things like we've never seen before, we've only read about or heard about in history, and we want him to do even greater things, then we must build an altar at home and our jobs everywhere in our hearts. And that altar needs to go with us everywhere we go. You've seen me use the analogy before. I won't take time to, to do it, but I've tied myself to something that represented an altar and I've carried that with me across this platform. Why? Because when you have an altar in your life, when you have a place that you pray and seek God and hear from God, you can't go and do the things you used to do. And if you don't, your children won't. Hello? Thirdly is to dedicate The process of dedication was evoked every time the priest would prepare the Holy of Holies for a time of sacrifice. When they laid down the offering, God was expected to show up. Are you expecting God to show up in your family? Are you expecting God to show up in your marriage? Are you expecting God to show up in your church? Are you expecting God? Then you've got to be willing to dedicate yourself in all that you have, all that you've been given, your family, your children, your ministries, your church. Give it to Jesus. Dedicate it to the Lord today. I want to compare this to the home. If the home is to be a place of daily worship, and it is, then shouldn't it be holy? Hello? 
Shouldn't holiness be the standard? If our homes are the place of worship, then we should treat it as a holy and sacred place. We shouldn't treat it, and I'm not talking about the way we take care of it, though that may be part of it too. I'm talking about the things we do in it. I'm talking about the attitudes we hold. I'm talking, not, and, and I'm talking about our personal homes, but I'm talking about the house of the Lord. I'm talking about every part of our family dwelling Wherever that is, the different places it takes us to, family vacations, family time together, it should be treated as holy. I want us to keep in mind that when everything is said and done, hear me, all that's left is the impressions that we've made on our children. So the reference here is this, and when they are old or he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, kids are not perfect. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Kids make mistakes. Sometimes they go off and do their own thing. Possibly they totally reject the teachings that you've given them. Possibly they go and, and, and separate themselves from any kind of spiritual life or re- relationship with Christ that you train them up in. That happens. But that's the promise that God gives. When they are old, they will not depart from it. Listen, the words you have said, the life you have led, the things you have exemplified in their life will come back as a blessing one day. You have a promise from God and you can hold on to it. And I go back to what I said earlier. It's never too late to start. Possibly you're saying, I didn't do that when my kids were young and now they're adults and they're doing their own thing and I don't know how to get them into a place of relationship with Christ. Start living the life now. Start being an example of Jesus now. Start declaring truth and put sweet things in their mouth now. Say it now. Do it now. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. Dedicate them now. Build an altar now. Is anyone in this room this morning? Real faith is a daily process. The family is a generational call. What we say matters. What we do matters. I want everybody to say family matters. Family matters. The call to live according to the word of God is also a call with a reward. Now this is good news. Did you know there's a reward for answering the call of God? There's a, there's a reward. The passage reads this. You will enjoy, in verses 2 and 3 of, of Deuteronomy 6, you will enjoy a long life. How many want it? Just wave. Come on, wave at me. I'm just trying to wake you up this morning. I know you're all thinking what a beautiful day it is out there. But you'll have even a better day if you'll get this word in you. It says this, it says, then all will go well with you. How many need that? And you will have many children. How many need that? No, just kidding. You will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. Did you know it's your father's good pleasure and desire to give you good gifts? He will. You'll enjoy long life and many good gifts. Matthew 7, 1 says this. So, so if sinful people know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? He wants to. Luke chapter 11 says the same thing, but it says it this way. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Oh, he's a good, good father. He wants to bless you. He wants to pour his spirit into your life. He wants to overflow you with his power, his anointing. What anointing? The anointing that breaks the yoke. 
the anointing that sets you free, the anointing that breathes life and health and strength over you, the anointing that changes everything. That's what he wants to do in your life. It's a reward from heaven. For what? For obeying his word. For answering the call to train up your children. For doing what is right and holy in your family, in your marriage, in your life, in every facet of your ministry. He wants to bless you. The Holy Spirit moves through you. Remember, we're not just talking to traditional families. We're talking to the family of God. The Holy Spirit moves through you to touch the next generation. The children of this house need people who will speak life over them. The people, the children of this house, house need teachers and disciple makers who will train them up in the way they should go. It applies to every generation and to the church. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless your children. He wants to bless your grandchildren. He wants to bless your church family. We have to live according to the word. It brings great reward, but it requires great effort. Uh Uh-oh, I thought we were going to just close with the reward part, Pastor. I didn't know there was work to do. This part must be intentional. This is the part we don't necessarily enjoy, but it is imperative. God requires steadfast, intentional thought and effort. This is why he says here in verse 7, the first part of verse 7, he says, repeat them again and again. Everybody say again and again. Repeat them again and again to your children. Or teach them diligently. It calls us to teach without fail. The Hebrew word here, diligent, or, or to repeat over and over here means a sharp point or a sharp pointed object. As in you must zero in on the truth of the word of God and focus its application every day in your life. Teach it again and again. Tell your children again and again. They're going to say, I already know that, mom. You already told me that, dad. Say it again. Say it again. Oh, they're going to get tired of hearing it. Say it again. I've told you all before, my wife, she's the best preacher on the planet. We get sermons from morning till night. I'm serious, and I, I say it jokingly. I say it to, to create a little bit of laughing here, but I'm thankful for it. Even if there are times that the kids roll their eyes, I know that the word of God does not return void. It goes forth and accomplishes what it's meant to accomplish. They know the word because their mother and their father spoke it into their life every day in every situation. We just said it again and again. They just got tired of it, but we said it again. <laughs> If they ever said, oh, we already said that, don't say it again. We just said it again. (laughs) You don't have to be their friend. You're their mother and their dad. You need to be their preacher, their teacher, their instructor, their leader. Oh, you'll be their friend one day because one day when they're old, they won't depart from it. They'll come back and they'll say, thank you, dad. Thank you, mom. We love you. Thank you for speaking the word of God. Thank you for holding us accountable. Telling the devil wants your family. The devil wants your marriage. The devil wants your church. He wants every part of you. You can't let him have it. You got to repeat it over and over and over and over and over and over again. You got to say it till you're tired of saying it and then say it again. 
Revival's going to come. Transformation's going to come. The world will be changed and there'll be a sovereign move of the Spirit when you and I declare the word of the Lord unapologetically to the entire world around us. It requires a steadfast, intentional effort. It's a sharp pointed object. I'll say it. Well, what if it hurts their feelings? Who cares? What if it upsets them? Who cares? It's God's word. It'll change them. Well, I don't want them to be upset with me. They're already mad and they already want to leave home. It's God's word. You let them leave home. Holy Spirit will take care of them. Say it again. Well, you know, they're just doing what everyone else is doing these days. Say it again. It's going to require an intentional effort on your part to speak this word of truth over them. There's too many Christians allowing ungodly acts in their home, either in their own life or even in generations uh, beyond them, their children or their grandchildren, because we love them. We think that we won't say it. They know we already told them once. No, say it again. Well, I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. Say it again. Now, your tone and your attitude matter. Say it in love. But hold the standard. If you told them that they can't do that and live under your roof, then don't let them keep living under your roof. I'm serious. Well, pastor, now you don't know. It's not your kids. No, it's not. But I'm going to say it again. I'm just going to keep declaring over them. I love you. But God's word is truth. And it doesn't just apply to our children. It applies to our marriages. So many marriages, there's, there's people that are unequally yoked. There's sinners that have married saved. There's, there's people that have backslidden along the way. There's all kinds of marriage dynamics and challenges in marriage and relationships. Say it again. It doesn't just talk about children alone here. This is talking about your family, your household, it says. It says household. Say it again. When things, that, listen, sometimes there's tension in marriages. Even the best of marriages, there's tension. Speak life again. Declare God's word again. Don't let the devil have your home on any level. Speak life over them. Say it again. Everybody say, say it again. You got to be intentional. You must be intentional. Learn the word of God. Apply the word of God. Never stop repeating the word of God. Teach them diligently. It must be understood that this is not just about me and my family. This is a comprehensive passage of scripture. It applies to every facet of life. I want you to catch this this morning before we dismiss. It's a call to live the word of God comprehensively. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, verse seven goes on to say this. It says, talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. You might add this with thinking about our culture today. Talk about them when you are at work and when you are in the marketplace, 
when you're in the doctor's office and when you're at the park and when you're with your nieces and your nephews and your cousins and your extended family, when you're with your neighbor and the friends, your, your kids, friends, when you're with everyone, keep saying, keep talking about what? About the directives of God's word. Talk about them. Talk about, well, they don't think we're preaching at them. It's okay. Just talk about them. Sometimes we think that that's the problem. We think that somehow saying it, we got we to gotta preach it at them. We got to slap them upside the head and tell them they need to get saved and get to an altar. They're a liar and a sinner and a devil and they need to get right with God. That's not what God's not. He doesn't even say that. But how about talking about the fact that Jesus loves me? That's talking about it. How about the fact that he died on the cross to save me from my sins? Did you know? To your coworker, did you know? To your kids' friends, did you know? To the to the person at the park, did you sit down and say to, to read your Bible and just say, "Oh, this is the Word of God. This is God's written Word for my life. I live by it. I I try to to, to lead my life by it. I I tell my kids about it. It's talking about it over and over and over again." It's a comprehensive directive from God everywhere you go, when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going on vacation, talk about it. Vacation and, and times away aren't times to check out from God just because you check out of work and, and normal routines. Talk about the things of God in all situations. The word of God is always relevant. It's always applicable. It's always useful. And it's always encouraging. And if ever the things you're saying are not encouraging, then it's not the word of God. If ever what you're saying is not encouraging, then it's not the word of God. God's word isn't meant to bring people into depression. It's meant to bring life. Oh, there's a, there's a conviction element. But we somehow... Relate conviction to anger or rejection. It is not that at all. It is the prodding of God's spirit to repent, to turn from. Can I get a witness in this room this morning? It's also a specific call to your household. Now you may say, well, that sounds redundant, but I want you to, I want you to understand what verse 8 says here. It says, tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. <laughs> You are responsible for your household. Everywhere you go, put some plaques on the walls, write some scriptures on your refrigerator. Make sure that the music in your house, oh, I'm about to preach now. Make sure the music in your house lifts up Jesus. Make sure the stuff you watch lifts up Jesus. Make sure the conversations you have lift up Jesus. The jokes you tell lift up Jesus. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead as a reminder. If you had a sticky note stuck to your head with scripture on it, you might not tell the joke you told. Hello? You might not act the way you acted. You might not respond to your spouse the way you responded to your spouse. Why? Because God's word is life and truth and it's helpful and it's strengthening. It's encouraging. The word of God is specific to your household. In other words, there's something in here that applies to whatever you need today. Whatever you're going through in your marriage, in your family, in your children, in your ministry, in your neighborhood, there's something that applies to it right here. Tie them to your hands. God's saying in this verse here that the word of God is the lens by which you should see life. 
marriage problems, God speaks to it. Children problems, God speaks to it. Work problems, God speaks to it. What is God saying about your life? Have you looked through the lens of scripture? Have you looked through the lens of his Holy Spirit? Have you applied the blood today, a fresh application of the blood of Jesus to your home and your family and your church and your life, on your job, wherever it is, a fresh application of the blood will help you see things in a whole new perspective. Can I tell you, when you look through the lens of God's word at your spouse, your spouse will look more beautiful and wonderful than they ever did. I'm about to preach in here now. When you look through the lens of God's word, your children that are rebellious and, and, and honorary and everything else that you can think of under the sun, they'll look altogether different when you start looking at them through the lens of scripture. Parent relationships and children relationships and marriage relationships and co-worker relationships and, and community relationships and even church relationships will look altogether better when you start looking at them through the lens of scripture. Oh my, help us Lord. Well, what does that mean for my household? How do I do that? Well, start having family prayer. Start having family devotion. Well, my kids won't do that. They, they, I just can't get them to do it. Well, did you take their video game away? Tell them they couldn't go out this weekend. It's quiet now. Whatever that looks like. I don't know what it looks like. I'm not telling you how to raise your kids. I'm just telling you, you can't tell me that your kids won't have family devotion if you've never tried it. If you never sat down and prayed with them. On a consistent basis. They don't get the option. This is the way it's going to be. Whatever that looks like for you, but don't neglect it, whatever you do. When it becomes the lens by which we look at life and family through, everything looks better. Everything has hope. There's a way of grace in every challenge you're facing. My last point this morning is this. To live according to God's word is an evangelistic call. You have a responsibility to evangelize your home, your family, your community, and your church. This is what it says in verse 9. It says, write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. That's the outside. That's not what's happening. We've already addressed everything that needs to happen in the home. How does that look externally? How does that look? Write them on the doorpost and on the gates. Wow. That means that I'm proclaiming the gospel, the love, the power of Jesus every, in every part of my community. What is written on the gates announces the standard of the home. What's written on the gates announces what we believe. I'm not telling you you need to do it this way. And, but it's just something we started doing. My dad made, and he made a few for people in the church. He made a cross, a big cross. And at Easter time, specifically, we put it out, out front in our front yard. That's one way to just write it on your gates. I'm not telling you to do that. It doesn't have to look like I do it. But there's many ways you need to write it on. People in your neighborhood need to know that you have a standard. People on your job need to know you have a standard. 
write it on the gates. Sometimes our neighbors know more about the football team we like than they know about the Jesus we love. We're happy to, we're happy to hang flags. Some people, some people know we're patriotic, but they don't know that we know Jesus. I'd rather be a Jesus follower than an American. And I love America. But there's a problem. Oh, help me, Jesus. There's a problem when we're more patriotic than we are spiritual. There's a challenge when we're more in love with the football team or sports team than we are about proclaiming the truth of the love of Jesus in the world. And as they get closer, it's announced again, even on your doorpost. So they see it as they drive by on the street, but if they come down to borrow a cup of sugar, they're going to see it again. They don't do that anymore, do they? That's what I did when I was a kid. I was telling that story to my kids this week. Grandma, my mom would send me down the road to different neighbors, and, or they would send their kids to our house. We, we ran out of this. Could we borrow that? Could we do that? It was just a different world then, but... But the world needs to know, not just from a distance. Oh, there's a flag in their front yard. They love Jesus. No, they need to see it when they get close to you. By the way you talk, the way you live. Write it on the doorpost. Be evangelistic. Now, I'm getting ready to close this message, but I want to I close it with some directives. Be evangelistic to your neighbors in your community. But also, be evangelistic to your children and to your spouse. I'm telling you, a lot of marriage problems, a lot of family problems could be diverted, not avoided, but diverted, changed, brought back on track. If we'll just start sharing the gospel, if we just start being evangelistic, well, that's my spouse. They already know the word of God. Sometimes they got to be reminded. Sometimes Beverly has to remind me what God's word says. <laughs> and I'm the pastor and I'm the priest of my home. Hallelujah. Well, sometimes pride will keep us from hearing the very word of God that God sends through our spouse. You better listen. God will speak to you through anything he can speak through. You need to hear the word of God. You know, I have, I have earbuds that have uh, uh, somebody, one of the young, a noise cancellation. That's what it has. It has noise cancellation. You can put them in and I mean, it literally blocks out everything. I mean, all you can hear is whatever's coming through that speaker. You, you can't hear any outside noise. You can't even hear your wife talking to you. You can't hear the lawnmower going. You can't hear anything. You just, you can block out anything. There's too much spiritual noise cancellation going on. It's one thing if you need to concentrate and block out some stuff in life. It's another thing if you're blocking out the very voice of God that God sent you. Hear me. God has a word for you. God has something to declare over your home and your family, over your future, over your, over your children. You can't block it out. You can, but you shouldn't. You need to just, you need to hear what God is saying. You need to hear it even if it comes from your spouse that you're at odds with. You need to hear it if it comes from your children that is, has, has, has kind of done their own thing, but, but they're coming back. You need to hear it if it's from your parents. You need to hear it wherever God chooses to speak to you through. Listen to the voice of God. He's calling. He's calling you and I to a place of ministry first.
to our homes. The devil has struck a devastating blow to the foundation of the church. by attacking families. And this morning, it is God's will to speak healing, to speak health, to speak revival over you, over your life. The best thing that we can do for our family is to teach the word of God. I'd even challenge you to decide starting today, whatever this looks like for you, you you hear from God on it. I want to challenge you to start teaching the word of God to your family, to those around you. Just start teaching it. Well, I don't know how to, pastor, if I tell them to all come and sit down in the living room, it's just not going to go well. You don't understand my family. Then don't do that. Don't do that. Figure out a way that they will hear you. Figure out a way that they will listen. And by the way, the best way they'll listen is by the way you live. Consistency in your walk with the Lord. Consistency in your tone of voice of love and agreement and peace. Start there. Then when you call them to family devotion, they may just come. They may just respond. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. The Holy Spirit will help you. I'm believing for revival in our families. I'm believing for revival spiritually. I'm believing for revival relationally. Hear me, this message was not designed for anything other than God's spirit to speak to individuals in this house today and families in this house today and draw us closer to him and closer to each other so that he can send revival. I'm believing for revival relationally. Listen to me. I believe God is going to restore broken relationships between parents and children, between spouses, between neighbors and friends, coworkers. Because after today, You're going to begin to follow Deuteronomy chapter 6 and write some things on your heart and write some things on your gates and write some things on your doorpost and write some things on your forehead. In other words, they see it when you walk into the room. They understand who you are. There's going to be a difference. And this is my my prayer. This is my proclamation. May it begin today. May it begin today. I wrote it in capital letters. I put it in pink highlight. I wanted to make sure that I spoke that over this house today. May it begin today. If you're ready for God to do this in your life, in your family today, would you stand with me? If you want it today, to begin today, stand with me across the sanctuary. May it begin today. You can hear this message and you can say, well, that was good and I hope it happens. Or you can declare, this is going to start today in me. This is going to start today in my house. It's up to you. As your faith is, so be it. And that's a word from the Lord. As your faith is, so be it.
If you need this kind of breakthrough, this kind of victory, may it begin today. You need to declare it. You've got to figure out from God. You need to hear from God before you leave this building today. What do you want me to do, Lord? How can I do it? Restoration and revival. Jesus. It starts with a change in your heart. If you need Jesus, you need to repent of your sin today and ask Christ into your heart today. If you're in this room, if you're watching online and you don't know Jesus as your savior, if you've backslidden and walked away from him or if you've never asked him into your life, you need today to get right with Jesus. If you want to ask Christ into your heart today and if you want me to pray with you, I want to lead you in a prayer. I want you to pray a prayer of salvation and surrender to Jesus and I'll lead you in that prayer you just need to pray it from your heart if that's you today you say I need to get things right with Jesus I'm not where I need to be with Christ before I can deal with any of this other I need to deal with this relationship with him would you just raise your hand I want to pray with you before we move on if there's anyone in here just raise your hand till I see it I just want to understand who I'm praying with today I'm not going to call you out I just want to pray with you is there anyone if you're online watching please just text us or email us there's information on the screen you can do that let us know is there anyone in this room you want to pray and ask christ into your heart is there anyone that's backslidden you've walked away from your relationship with jesus you're not serving him and you know you can't deal with other relationships until you deal with this relationship is there anyone today just going to take a moment and wait believe then that you're serving the Lord, that you're where you need to be. And it is my prayer this morning that God will send revival to your home. Almost 100% of you stood to your feet. And I'm praying today. I'm praying for families. I'm praying for marriages. I'm praying for children. I'm praying for unsaved family. Somebody a week or two ago walked up to me. After the service, God had moved in the altars and throughout the service the last few weeks in such a wonderful way. Somebody walked up to me and they said, I'm sowing a seed into missions for my unsaved children or my children that are in in, in relationship challenges right now with us. And I'm believing for it. Listen, I'm not calling people to do that. I'm just letting you know that there's power in obedience to the word of God. You can reject it. You can neglect it. You can say, well, that's, I don't need, I don't want anyone to know what I'm going through. Or you can just get serious with God today and begin to write it on the doorpost and on the gates and on your heart. Jesus is Lord of my home. Jesus is Lord of my marriage. Jesus is Lord of my children. Jesus is Lord of my family, my nieces, my nephews, my co-worker, whatever. Jesus is Lord. This morning, if you want this kind of revival in your family, if you have a family in just a moment when I make this call, if you have a family, I'm going to ask you to just get with them. If you feel comfortable with that, get with them. If you don't, if you're here, you're single, or you don't have a family, it's okay. Stand with someone that you're close with or just stand alone. It doesn't matter. But in a moment, I'm going to call us to this altar for everyone that would, because I'm going to speak a pastoral blessing over us, over our families and over our homes. Just before I do that, I want to give you some encouragement. Things you can speak over each other and your families. Some words that you can just begin to pray over and speak over. Speak over their ability. We we started this whole message by uh, talking about speaking life. Declaring the truth. Tell your family, tell your spouse, tell your children they have great ability. How big of a blessing they are to you. 
began to speak abundance over them, abundance in education and their abilities and their, and their uh, stewardship in every area. Declare over them that angels would go with them everywhere they go and protect them. Give them assurance daily of God's grace and love in their life. Pray over them and speak over them clear direction that they know where they're going in life, that they understand what their gifts and callings are. Speak courage over them, courage to do what's right, courage to do what is holy. Speak over them that they're people of faith. Admire the faith they have in God. Proclaim over them that they have favor, favor with God and with man. Speak good health over them. Hey, pray for a good spouse for your children, but pray it out loud over them. Pray over your spouse and with your spouse that you will be a better spouse to them. Ask God in your family to give you ears that would hear what the spirit is saying, but also what your family is saying. Pray for longevity and health. Pray for peace in your home. Pray it out loud. Here, here, here's what I'm getting at with this. Don't just say these things under your breath. Don't just say them in a quiet place. Begin to lead your family and your marriage and your children in every area of your life with bold, courageous prayers and proclamations. Pray for promotion and protection and provision. Pray for safety and strength, wisdom. And pray this from Psalm 23 the goodness and mercy would follow them all the days of their life. Speak that over them. I want to proclaim a blessing over families today, over marriages, over individuals, over every person that would receive it. You can feel free to stay where you are. I don't want to force anyone out of their seat, but I think that there's power in walking in an aisle and standing in an altar together. This is a place today of breakthrough. And I want to invite families or individuals to just move out of your seat with me before I pray this prayer and speak this blessing over you. Would you come and stand as families if possible? If not, would you come and just stand in this altar with me? This will be our prayer time. This will be our benediction. And then if you need prayer, you can remain and we'll pray with you afterwards. But would you just come for those that are willing and able? Thank you, Jesus. in as close as you can. Move in as close as you can, please. You're going to need to get close. Just about everybody's coming just about. Thank you. The enemy of our soul cannot have our families. Satan cannot have your home. He cannot have your marriage. He cannot have your children. I'm going to speak a blessing, but before I do, I want to declare that your children and your household belong to Jesus. I want to declare over you that you are sons and daughters of God and the devil's a liar. And you know the truth and the truth sets you free. Your backslidden children shall be saved. Your unsaved spouse shall be saved. Your parents shall be saved. Today, like never before, the Spirit of God. You're allowing the Spirit of God to write things upon your heart, upon your head, upon your gate, 
and upon your doorpost. Like never before, you're making a bold proclamation of who you are in Christ. And relationships around you shall prosper. Relationships that you're in shall flourish. Healing shall be yours in Jesus' name and salvation. Speak life and health, provision. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bless you with all the promises of God that are yes and amen. The Holy Spirit make you healthy and strong in body and mind and spirit. May he move upon you in faith and expectancy. May God's angels be with you to protect you and keep you. I speak blessing over you today. Be blessed with supernatural strength to turn your eyes from the foolish things, the worthless things, the evil things. Instead, may you behold the beauty of things that God has planned for you and your family as you obey his word. I bless your ears to hear the lovely, the uplifting, the encouraging, and to shut out all of the demeaning and all of the negative. May your feet walk in holiness individually and as a family and may your steps be ordered by the Lord may your hands be tender helping hands to each other and to those in need around you may your hands be hands that bless one another and bless your community and bless your church may your hearts be humble and may they be receptive to one another and to the things of God and not the things of this world May your mind be strong, disciplined, balanced, and filled with faith. God's grace be upon you. God's grace be upon your home. That it would be a sanctuary of rest, a place of renewal, a heaven of peace, where sounds of joy and laughter grace its walls, where love and unconditional acceptance of one another is not just occasional, but consistent. God give you success and prosperity in your businesses, in your places of labor, as you acknowledge and obey the imperatives of scripture concerning your tithe, your giving, your sacrifice, and your surrender. God give you spiritual strength to overcome the evil one and to avoid all temptation. God's grace be upon you and your family. May he fulfill your dreams and your visions. May God's goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your long life. That is his promise of long life when you obey his word. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I bless you in Jesus almighty and strong name. Amen and amen. May God's blessings be upon you and your children and their children and to generations to come.